Hey. Good morning. Aren't you glad that Troy stayed all night and finished this painting he'd done behind us right here? <laughs> Thank you for that, man. That's great. It is so good to see you all. It is a special day. My name is Preben Mong. For those who here, uh, you, those of you here for the first time, or those who are you who are turning in for the first time, we we want to welcome everyone. And if you are sitting at home, or you are in a camper, or you are at the beach, or you're in a car, uh, you're on the other side of the globe, wherever you are, uh, welcome here. And we want also to to say God is doing. A great work in this church. He's on the move and they're touching our hearts and, and we want to invite you to be here if you in any way can in person to stay shoulder to shoulder, stand shoulder to shoulder, uh, with us to, to be there knee by knee as we pray, folded hand to folded hand as we seek God's presence, uh, together in a strong way. So, so uh, we are beginning a, a new series today. Last Sunday, as you know, was Pentecost. And we're beginning a new series today on prayer. What can be more pertinent, if you will, uh, following Pentecost than to focus on prayer? Today, uh, I want to focus more on uh, on a call to pray, and then we'll go into uh, more of, of how do we pray in a deeper and more significant way as these days uh, pr- progress and as this. But, but thank you to all you young people for what you did in Florida, and thank you for being here this morning. Aren't they amazing? Just saying, I mean, just unbelievable. Thank you for that. Uh, that is uh, who we are. That's how our heartbeat. Uh, vacation Bible school also, uh, as that comes on. Please make that promise that Julie asked for an actual promise. Not, yeah, I'll pray, but an actual promise to spend time in concentrated prayer for these kids. So many, maybe even so many of you know that you met the Lord in a significant way during a vacation Bible school or something like that. This is an important time. So uh, if you have your Bibles and you begin to kind of turn around, you get to the New Testament, you get to the Gospel of Mark in chapter 9, and we'll, we will start there. And I'm going to preach this morning under the title, Prayers Required. Prayers Required. There's so much going on, and, and we like to think of ourselves as people uh, who are on the move for God, if you will, right? Uh, we are a church that is God-trusting, right, that, that is Christ-centered, and that is Spirit-empowered. I didn't hear a single yes. What's with that? <laughs> right? We're God-trusting. We're Christ-centered, and we're spirit-empowered. That's who we want to be, yes? That's what we focus on. That's why we are here. And we like to think of ourselves as people with a mission, people who are sent out with a very specific task by no one less than God Almighty himself. We're people who are part 
of a movement, a movement whose task is to, to bring all of creation back to the worship of God. And not only in the broad sense, all of creation, but specific new people, more people to call them into a personal relationship and a daily walk with Christ. That's what this is about. And if you think of it for just a moment, after the resurrection of Jesus, he met with the disciples and he told them to do one thing. There's only one command, and that is make disciples. And then he explains how you're doing that. You do that by going. You do that by baptizing. And you do that by teaching them all the things that I have taught you. Which is another way of saying you're called into another kind of community. You're called together into a, an alternative community, if you will. A transformed way of living. We are not just a bunch of people who like to come together to sing some songs and, and to, to kind of be together for some common interest or whatever. We are here as transformed people in a transformed kind of community where things are actually different than the community around us yes everything looks different right forgiveness it looks different love looks different togetherness looks different everything looks different in this alternative community that consists of people who have met Christ indeed Jesus uh, Paul puts it this way when he says the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking but about Righteousness and what? And peace and what? Of joy in the Holy Spirit. That's it. There's a different way of looking at all of life. And let me say this also because that is so important in our time. In this alternative community we call the church or the group of believers in, in Jesus Christ, everybody are important. Every last one of us is significant. We're called together. It does not matter. No one is superfluous. Indeed, Paul's language about the body spells that out. If you are a foot, well, you need to help us all walk better. If you're a hand, you need to help us all handle things better, right? If you are, are something else, right? Whether you're, even if you're a kidney or a liver or, or you know, a spleen or whatever, your function is important for the body. Do not miss that. No one is insignificant. Everybody uh, is is needed in the strongest kind of way, right? And if you and I, you need us to help us see better. If you and I, you help us to hear better. We could go on and on. And because that is true, the text that we're reading together today and the message that comes out of that today is significant for every single last one of us. So we'll read from chapter 9. And I'll begin reading in verse 14. When they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes disputing with them. When the whole crowd saw him, they were amazed and they ran to greet him and they asked, he asked them, what are you arguing about? And someone from the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. 
And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. So we move on to verse 21. How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked his father. From childhood, he said. And many times it had thrown him into the fire or or water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then verse 28. And after he'd gone into the house, his disciple asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he said, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer. I think, friends, this story of the sick child and the disciples can function like a parable or metaphor, if you will, for our situation today as Christians. I think it's pretty common and pretty obvious to everyone who serves just a little bit that the church has lost some of its ground in the society, some of its authority, some of its, its weight, if you will, in society. Not just our church, but church, capital C, in general. If we, if we think of, of a time that goes further back, it would be more, even more evident. Some people are saying, well, COVID was really, really hard on the church. I don't think COVID was hard on the church as such. It, it, what COVID really did was it revealed an undercurrent that was reality anyway. They'd expedited or accelerated a situation that was coming anyway and made visible uh, what was going on in a very stark kind of way. But if you go back uh, uh, 100 years or maybe even 200 years, you'll see that there was a time when at least it seemingly looked as if the church had greater authority and, and greater impact for the sake of the gospel in society. And yet, the activity level has not decreased, has it? We're still very active. We think ourselves as, as active people. And, and, and so when we, we look at this text, it, it is almost like the disciples just, hey, we're going to get on with it. And it's like them when they met this spirit process. Child, we try to do something. We got to do something. And they tried. And they found that they were not as, as, as effective as they, they thought they, they might have been. And, and that led them to this question that always should be our question when we find ourselves being active without seeing exactly what we anticipated God would do. Say, what is it, Lord? How come we could not drive it out? What, what's going on? And if we, Look at this text and ask that question from this text. We notice that Jesus has an answer also for us today. Did you notice verse 29? His response 
to the disciples' frustration, he said, well, this kind, this kind can only come out by prayer. This kind. What he's saying, he's talking about dealing with different situations in different ways because things are different than they used to be. Prayers are required, is what he's saying. Not they're helpful, not that they're needed, not that they'll be useful, not that they're good, not that it's always helpful to pray, but prayers are required. This is the very obvious thing that is going on here. And so that you don't think that I'm just making kind of mountains out of molehills. Let me remind you that already uh, earlier the disciples have been sent out two by two. To, to what? To preach the gospel, to heal the sick, right? And to drive out spirits. And so they're coming back to Jesus. Luke 10, you can look it up. And they're all excited about what's going on. And they express, almost exclaim, said, hey, even the spirits obeyed us in your name. And they get a little bit proud of what they accomplished, all the great things that they had done. And and then Jesus had to correct them a little bit. And he says, hey, don't rejoice that the spirits were obedient to your call in my name. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying don't lose focus. Prayers are required. It's not just about what you can do. It's what I can do through you, right? Bathe everything in prayer, not superficially, not just saying a word, God, I know you'll take care of it, amen, but really listen to what is going on in this text. It's about God. So the disciples have that background, and here comes the Father with the Son. And active as they are. Now, that would not be true. I mean, let's talk about other churches. We will not be like that, Yes? But actually they are, they just do what they know, right? They just kind of get involved in what they know. So this is what we do, and, and so we get, get started. And what's happening is nothing. Nothing happens, and what does the father do? He concludes. He said, hey, apparently it doesn't make any difference in my family that we relate just to those who are Followers of Jesus, I need to get a hold of Jesus himself. I wonder always, I read texts like this and I wonder what is going on with the disciples here? Are they, what are they thinking now? Are they not thinking, yeah, but you know, we did what we have learned, what we've seen God do before. It must be like that. Surely when there's someone who like him is possessed by a demon, you know, it's all the same because it's just Satan doing his work. But Jesus' answer kind of keeps come at us. This kind is different. This kind is is not quite the same. It it is exactly the same thing Paul would say when he kind of says there are hierarchies. Some things 
requires more power, a greater presence of God, a greater devotion, if you will. However, it's not easy to explain, but what he says here in Ephesians is, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic power of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. How are we supposed to understand these kinds of things? It's like there's a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy there. There's something going on and the disciples were not first looking for God and saying, I see what's going on. Let me ask God, how am I supposed to deal with this? Would you speak to me? Would you empower me to deal with this situation? They went straight to what they knew. And there's nothing wrong and bad about what they were doing. And I'll come back to that in just a moment. But what we see in this text is that there seems to be like a hierarchy. There's a new kind of situation that cannot be confronted the same way earlier situations could have been confronted. Situations are not the same. Things change and, and, and things are developing and what we used to know is, is not the same anymore. There's a new level of prayer required from the church, friends, from you, from me. Please don't mishear this. I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking with you from Scripture. This is to me as much as it is to you and to all of us as followers of Jesus Christ. What is Jesus doing here? Look at it for just a moment. The disciples did not think the first thing they needed to do was to see God's power. The first thing they needed to do was to just confront what they knew in the way they knew it. And what does Jesus do? He teaches them to do spiritual triage, to to do a diagnose or a diagnosis of, of spiritual realities. What is going on? Is it different? Do we need to ask God for a different way of thinking, a different kind of power that he can empower us with, that we get to see things and understand things in ways that we may not have done before? We are activists. We, we, I'm the first one to admit that I'm like that. There's something that needs to be fixed. I will find a way of fixing it. We like to think of ourselves as practical folks. God has put us in business of this. We'll fix it for them. But unless there's a deep prayer. Can I call us all to prayer in a new way? Unless there's a deep level of prayer. There will be no power. Even the old psalmist were reminding us of that. In Psalm 127. He said unless the Lord builds the house. The workers labor in vain. Our situation is different. We all hear the news. We all see the stuff going on. I sometimes wonder, and I pray 
uh, and so, I, you know, it's hard to say this because it can sound as if I'm talking to others and not to myself, but I am actually talking to all of us, myself included. Do we understand the spiritual depth of what's going on? Do we understand what Jesus is pointing to when he says, this kind, this kind cannot be driven out but by prayer. There's a new reality that is going on. When we see on the news that just about every day mass murder is happening, even on children with, with military-style weapons, and we, we hear of, of, of sexual misconduct and violence and, and terrible things in just about every uh, denomination around, even among clergy and all of that, and hear about the atrocities with that. When we see and hear about uh, wars going on that would create hunger, most likely for hundreds of millions uh, of people around the world because all the wheat uh, storages are going to be, be de- depleted, and we even feel it here in our rich economy in, in no uncertain kind of way. Are we understanding this kind? This kind requires prayer. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty clear that when the, the father came with his son and the disciples saw that, that something was going on, they knew something needed to happen. They saw the need. The question is, do we read the need right? And how can we? We can because prayers are required. Let me see if I can give you an illustration. Imagine you come walking down a desolate road. Those of you are hikers, maybe a desolate hiking path. Who knows? And you see this person laying on the side of the street. And you conclude, clearly you're stepping a little bit harder while you're speaking a little bit louder with the one that you're speaking to. And, and the person doesn't move. And you are concluding, rightly so, that uh, they must be out of consciousness. Something is going on. You know and recognize something is going on. The real question, though, is why are they there out of consciousness? There could be all kinds of reasons. It could be that they were, have walked a long way and they got really tired and they sat down to rest. And instead of just resting, they kind of fell over and just went into a deep sleep. And, and that's where they were. It could be because they had overdosed on drugs or maybe alcohol and they had flat out passed out. And, and they were there. They could have eaten something poisonous and, and their body was filled uh, with poison. Or they could have had a, a stroke in the middle of the whole thing and, and they were there are you hearing what i'm saying it it, it's different things it's correct that they were out of consciousness from that perspective but if they are just sleeping all it takes is to to shake them hard and speak loudly and you can wake them up if if their body is is filled with poison or or overdrugged or overdosed on drugs or or alcohol there's a very different treatment that is required and we can go on the same through if they are they are having a stroke or whatever We understand. My point is that if we need to help the person on the side of the street, 
It is not enough just to conclude that they are out of consciousness. Am I making sense? Obviously, there's a need. But what is it? If we look back in time, 50 years, maybe 100 years, certainly 200 years, uh, there would be a very different time. And if you had asked people what they think about God or what they think about Scripture, they would have concluded, yes, um, we recognize uh, God is there. and We understand that, that the Bible is, is his book, has somewhat of a special kind of divine power of sorts. What it says is true. And when they were indifferent and didn't care about it, it was because of that. They were indifferent. So what did they need? They needed to be revived. They needed to be reignited and fired up for Jesus. Yes? And so we had revival meetings. But now, the question is, what is the reality that we face as a church in this world? This alternative community saved by grace. Loved by our Lord Jesus Christ. This place where things should look different than what it looks outside of this community. What is this kind? This kind requires prayer. You know, faith in God is, cannot be taken for granted. If we talk about issues of morality, uh, you know, there's no just reference where God thinks or the Bible says. That, that does not work anymore. If you talk about truth, it would be the same thing. The, the Bible has to be submitted to other issues of truth like science and, and philosophies and, and other things. You know what I'm talking about. Talk spirituality or religion, it's sometimes almost easier to find people who do not mind confessing their, their, their focus on, on other kinds of powers than, than Jesus Christ and other kinds of, of God kind of things that they are worshiping than Christ than it is to find people who gladly stands up and say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I will do what he says. I'll walk what he tells me to walk and in that way. We need, again, friends, are you hearing me? We need to listen to Jesus when he teaches us to do triage or diagnosis of spiritual realities. And that comes only through deep, devoted prayer. The power that the disciples had was great power. There was nothing wrong with what they did. They could confront all kinds of things. If you want to be in that illustration right here, uh, uh, that reality right here, they could, they could encounter demons of the lower levels, but they were without effect when they met things with higher powers than that. When they saw the boy and the father, they couldn't do much. We need that kind of prayer. We need more of it. We need it to be natural. 
We need to be, that's what we get together about. When we meet in Sunday school groups, when we get together in homes to, to eat together, if we just hang out together, we need to be the people who say, Lord, speak to me. Allow me to understand what this kind means. That we may be reaching out in the power of Christ to meet this kind and actually make a dent in the spiritual realities of the societies around more power, more dependent power. Can we hear it? So the answer is somewhat already what what we mentioned yesterday or last Sunday, I should say, when Jesus says, you will receive power and you will be my disciples here, there, and everywhere. That's it. That's the promise. You will receive power. And yet he had to tell his disciples this kind. You need to focus. This kind requires new prayers, deeper prayers, more important prayers, more powerful prayers, spiritual prayers, prayers that express their dependence upon God, submissive prayers, prayers that are earnest and, and eager and longing for God to reveal himself. Oh, could we imagine what that would do if there are prayers that can penetrate people's souls, prayers that can break down barriers that divide sometimes even Christian people, prayers that can break down pride, that can destroy self-centeredness and self-efficiency and that kind of stuff. Real prayer. May I call us to a season of prayer, friends? In this church, not that we have been praying, not been praying for years on years. I know you have uh, many, many, many faithful prayer warriors here. But imagine if that became in a new, fresh way our vision for what we are about in this day. The young people that will show up for vacation Bible school, the young people that are going on mission trip. Imagine if, if that became our vision that we may be able to answer the, this kind in our day and time. Why we want to invite everyone also who are listening other places, right? Bring your children that they may grow up in a place where they are surrounded by prayer. Bring your young people that they may know and know how to find out what is right and wrong. Bring yourselves that we can stand together and be on our knees together. Friends, I'm not sure how to land this completely, but imagine it. Imagine if, if God in heaven even looked down and said, what about Louisville? What about North Dallas? Are there some of my people who would say, we need to be your instrument because we believe, oh Lord, that you can change everything around us, even through us. What if that was what our vision was combined. When you call some friend from the church or just from outside, say, can we pray? I just heard this on the news. Or I just, my friend down the street, 
or this is going on at work, or this is here. Can we pray for God's wisdom and for God's power to move? Sunday school classes, as much time as we, we enjoy hanging out and talking about nonsense, what if we took, took some of that time to talk about this kind? Not from how do we fix it, but how do we find God's guidance in it? I hope I'm not, I have not overstepped my boundaries, friends. I've sensed God is doing a move among us. And it will do a great move even through us, even for this area and for this whole state. Father, speak to us even now in this moment. We, we, we don't want to become melodramatic in that kind of sense. But, Lord, we do admit that we need you. Father, thank you for all the many that have been prayer warriors in this church and continue to be. We ask that you will raise up many, many more, that that becomes the place when you look down and, and you can say, that place, that First Baptist Church of Louisville, that's a group of praying disciples of my son. Reveal to us yourself. That you'll reinvigorate even our daily walk. That we do not have to just hear you saying this kind. But we know before you even say to go and ask for the power that allow us to help. What we might not have been able to help before. So hear this prayer, Lord. I know it's rising for so many hearts right now. Bring us together. Maybe the old Sunday school classes will spend time praying in a special way. Not just this morning, but in time to go forward. Do your work among us, Father, we ask. And in the kids that are coming this week, the hearts of those who have been shared to even in the week that passed in Florida. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing. And I know some of you might want to just grab someone and come down and pray. Say, hey, why not begin now? And others may think, how do I find a church where that's the focus? Well, friends, we'd love to talk to you about being part of this. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what we're all about, introducing you to him.